So well done, Harry, for reading all that. I don't know what, quite what happened. He had a different version up there because I slightly shortened it so we didn't have to have the, the whole chapter. But it's good to have the whole Bible anyway, isn't it? Good to have. You can't get enough of the Bible. Anyway, really interesting passage tonight for us to, to look at. I encourage you to do have your Bibles open if you don't have them open already because I'm going to... Uh, flick around uh, at a few of the other passages, and it might just uh, be a little bit helpful for you to, uh, to have it open so you can look at some of the verses that I'm going to refer to. Because I want to spend just a few moments as well reminding us where we've got to in this story, because it just when we do that, it actually brings, I think, even more colour to this wonderful passage that we've had uh, tonight. So if you remember, this is only the third talk in, in our series, and uh, two series ago, Saab, who's here again tonight, opened our series, didn't he? Um, when we looked at how uh, God had rejected Saul, but instead, uh, who was the first king of Israel, and, and David was anointed by Samuel the prophet uh, to be the next, the future king of Israel after Saul's uh, rejection. So I just want to talk about Saul for a moment or two, if I may because we haven't chatted too much about him in the first week or, um, or last week indeed. Saul was appointed the first ever king of Israel after the nation begged to have a king. God didn't initially want them to have a king, uh, but the nation begged God to have a king so they could be uh, like the other nations around them that all had a king. God wanted them to be distinctive, but God kind of eventually uh, gave in. But Saul quickly becomes disobedient to God, mainly because he has this flaw in his character and he becomes more concerned about what other people think of him than about trusting and following God's instructions. It seems a bit inconsequential at first. He gets a warning from Samuel back in chapter 13, but Saul doesn't heed this warning and continues down this path. He doesn't deal with the issue. And if you just want to flick back over uh, one page to uh, chapter 18, um, Saul gets a warning from Samuel. Saul still goes on uh, worrying about what other people think of him. So Samuel then goes and tells him he's rejected. And then he still doesn't deal with it. Rejected as king, still doesn't deal with it. And then we get this uh, passage here that I'm just going to uh, read to you here uh, from chapter 18. I'm going to read from verse 6 for about four or five verses. When the men were returning home after David had killed uh, the Philistines, the the women came out from all the towns to meet King Saul with singing and dancing. To meet King Saul, not David. To meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and tambourines and lutes. As they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Told Saul was very angry this refrain galled him. They've credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but with me only thousands. And what more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. That's actually from that time, actually we're told, very next verse, an evil spirit comes forcefully upon Saul. Saul is so concerned with what other people think about him and he hasn't dealt with it. It becomes a foothold for evil to fully grasp hold of him. Saul, um, David becomes the focus of Saul's anger and Saul rages and this evil takes root and he then begins to try to harm David, first on his own 
but then also gets others and tries to get others involved in harming danger when he thinks about this. That just kind of shows when we look at Saul the danger of actually not listening to warnings of godly people around us about character flaws that we have. Actually, if we don't deal with them, or try and deal with them at least, they can become and ignore them. They can actually become bigger and bigger and begin consuming us like they did to David, like they did to Saul, sorry. And this is the atmosphere of the story that we're in at the moment, the atmosphere around David and Jonathan's friendship. It's a friendship that forms in the most kind of unlikeliest of, of atmospheres. Saul's uh, uh, attitude is in contrast, isn't it, about what we know about the heart and mind of David. David, somebody that's having a heart, a deep concern for God. That was particularly shown last week when we looked at the story of, uh, of David and Goliath. After this anointing by, by Samuel, this small boy just goes back to tending, tending sheep. And then he ends up, um, does a bit of heart playing for, for Saul as well. Uh, but he ends up visiting his uh, brothers on the front line when they're battling the Philistines, probably because he's still too young to join the army himself. And he's sent with his dad with some food to find out how his brothers are doing. And um, we heard that refrain that you heard read to us last week. He comes out and he sees uh, Goliath out there taunting uh, the nation of Israel and the army. And then you hear David's response. This is in uh, uh, chapter 17. Just going to read this out to you as well because I love it. Uh, Verse 26. um, Towards the end of it. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? That's what David says when he sees this giant sword that everyone is so scared of. Rather than being fearful of him, he is outraged that he's defying the armies of the living God. See, his heart for God is bigger than any fear or thing that he's going to face in his life. And so this is the character of David we have standing in contrast but it's important, I think, just to remind ourselves of, this, of the, the two characters that we, uh, that we have here going on. It just brings more color to what we're about to look at. Because into that kind of mix, what I'm going to do is I'm going to spend most of the talk, actually, tonight, rather than looking at David, I want us to look at the character of Jonathan here. We'll come back to David in a, in a little bit. But I just want us to have a look at this character of Jonathan because I think there's some really good, great principles that we can learn today from Jonathan about the importance of what, or what godly friendship might look like. Because Jonathan is a really difficult and tricky situation here, yet what he does is be a blessing and a help to David in this um, yeah, horrendous situation that David is finding himself in. And so what's the first thing we can learn about from Jonathan about what good and godly friendship is? Well, the first thing is actually that for friends, we must be willing to sacrifice. Just to make it really clear, in case you've missed it, Jonathan is Saul's eldest son, the current king's eldest son. That means he is the heir to the throne. 
when his father dies, all things being well, he would inherit the kingdom of Israel and become the next king in his father's place. He was someone that had grown up uh, uh, in the royal household. He would have been uh, wealthy and privileged. He would have had servants and people around him. That was who he was. Jonathan had so much to lose from a worldly perspective if David is to become the next king. We don't see it in this story, but actually, the one very early on to when they first meet, Jonathan recognizes and sees something of God, God's blessing on David, and he takes off his robe, which is a symbol of power and authority, and hands it to David. We see Jonathan is somebody that is willing to sacrifice, to give up for the benefit of his friend. Jonathan knows that the hand of God is on David and that David will one day be king. But Jonathan is okay with that. And we see in here they're making packs about actually, even if that's the case, their descendants are going to be friends forever. Jonathan is willing to make the sacrifice. He's not going to hold on to the glory for himself, but he's eager. He's eager to sacrifice and give up for the benefit of his friend. And really strongly linked with that, he's willing to give up and have this sacrificial attitude because he wants God's will to be done. He's a seeker of truth. That's the second sort of characteristic of Jonathan here. Unlike his father, Jonathan is concerned with God's will being fulfilled, God's purpose being out, rather than caring perhaps what the world may think of him, of collecting possessions and wanting people to think how great and wonderful he is. He's less concerned with his selfish ambition and more concerned with God's. I think it's quite incredible Jonathan turned out like that, given his father. I don't know about you, um, I have certain characteristics that are a bit like uh, my mum and uh, dad's characteristics. People say they can see mannerisms in me that they can see in my parents, and actually that's the same with my children as well. One of them was here earlier, she's gone off to the youth, youth groups. Lots of people say as soon as they can, they, they look at her and they say, oh, I can tell who your father is, the poor thing looks like me. Anyway, but we can also, from our families, can't we? We can, uh, if we're not careful, we can copy the good things from them, but we can also uh, copy the bad habits from them as well. And we saw in, um, we saw when I sort of touched on Saul earlier, about how his bad habit was pointed out to him by somebody godly, and he didn't respond but actually you get this idea that Jonathan is somebody that is actually, uh, has this, this willingness to give up stuff, to, to, to listen and to receive and to take in or notice of what people are saying to him. And later on, when we get to look at what, what David says to Jonathan as well, we'll see even if it's a, a difficult challenge, Jonathan is willing to listen and take on board what others are saying to him. 
I think that's a really, really important thing for us to all think about in our lives and relationships is to be people that are willing to take on board what other people say to us, not just reject it or think that's how we are, but to really think and reflect, is this God's will in our life and being, is this how God wants me to behave or be and being willing to give it up if it's not. So Jonathan is concerned about God and he's uh, willing to give up for the benefits of others. And the final thing uh, we want to say as well about Jonathan is that Jonathan is actually quite a loyal person as well. He's loyal to, to David, as we saw in this passage, to protect him. But he is also loyal to his father in many ways. He's not loyal to the uh, bad side of his father. He won't have anything to do with going against God's will. But Jonathan doesn't abandon his father. Jonathan stays and speaks to his father and obeys his father, his father in other things, as we see in the story. He's a commander in the army and he obeys his father's instructions in that. He does what is asked of him as a good son, but will not be party to going against God's will as part of that. He doesn't give up on his father. I think that's another really, really key characteristic of friendship, this idea of loyalty, of sticking with somebody when they're going through a tough time. I remember in particular one of my close friends, sadly, I don't get to see him very much uh, now because he lives uh, up in Loughborough. We were uh, good friends when we were growing up and we left to go away to university. And uh, those of you that know any of my story, I didn't go through a very good time at university. In fact, it was pretty rubbish and I was behaving and doing things that I shouldn't have been doing. And uh, I can remember him phoning me up and in a very loving but very clear way, um, basically telling me that my behaviour was out of line and I shouldn't be doing this. Sadly, at the time, it didn't make any difference to me. We had this conversation I just went, yeah. And then I hung up and just went on doing, as I want, doing what I wanted. But he was loyal <laughs> and he kept coming back, kept trying to get alongside me. And actually, who do I trust now more than some of my other friends that didn't say anything to me during that time. Him. Because I know that actually he was speaking truth into my life even though I didn't recognise it at the time. And I didn't respond in the right way. I'd love us to think about that as well. Who are the people that speak truth into our lives? Do we let people speak truth into our lives or do we just shut them down and walk away? Let's get back to our story, shall we? And see how Jonathan reacts to David. And look a little bit more at the character of David. So we have this situation. Saul is trying to have David killed because he's envious and jealous and probably thinks he's going to lose his kingdom. He is going to uh, lose his kingdom. 
Um, and David knows that Jonathan is really c- close to Saul, but yet he still broaches this subject, this difficult topic with Jonathan. So just what I've been talking about is actually friends, another characteristic we learn this from David, is actually friends don't avoid difficult conversations. David brings this issue to Jonathan. Jonathan doesn't actually, I don't know if you noticed that at the start of the reading, Jonathan doesn't um, believe David to start off with. Um, What does it say? It says, um, uh, my father doesn't do anything great or small without confiding in me. Why should he hide this from me? It's not so. That's Jonathan's initial response to David. And perhaps you can see this conversation going, uh, spiralling out of control quite quickly. But David, doesn't he, has patience with uh, Saul's response. That's another good characteristic of friendship, patience. You definitely need patience. And Jonathan starts listening to what David is saying and they come up with this plan to really find out uh, the heart of what Saul is or probably David already knows to help Jonathan really see and highlight the heart of where Saul, his father what is thinking about and David so David is patient both with Jonathan but actually there's a deeper patience going on here as well in this story I don't know if you've noticed, we're three weeks into this story now and we're here with Jonathan and David and we're thinking, oh yeah, this story's like, it's flowing along quite nicely, really, really quickly. Hopefully the roof's not going to blow off tonight. I heard that wind too. It might be the Holy Spirit, who knows. Um, this story's going on quite nicely. But we're probably talking, scholars don't exactly know, but we're probably talking a good six years into the story already here from when Saul from when um, Samuel anointed David as being the next king. That was probably around six years ago already. And here we have David with Jonathan and this happening. And David's been in the palace, things are going well. And here we have at the end of this story, David having to flee and leave. David is trusting in God and he's being patient. He's patient with God for the right time but he's also patient with Jonathan in this situation I think it's an absolutely incredible story and when we have these two sort of characters come together two people that both have a heart after God and these good characteristics their friendship kind of it blossoms straight away we're told and they say even though there's this horrendous situation going in they are looking out and caring for and blessing each other and being good friends and remaining patient with each other seeking after the truth even in this most horrific of circumstances and because of it I think David is able to well David's life is spared can you imagine what would happen if Jonathan had double crossed him and got loyal back to his father there David is free to go, knowing he's got Jonathan looking out for him and protecting him as well on his side. And it enables this story to continue further. I love this story because it shows the crucialness of friendships in there. 
And actually, I don't even notice that in that verse. Verse 17 in verse 20. Jonathan and Dave made David reaffirm his oath out of love for him because he loved him as he loved himself. I think what's at the heart of this passage is actually a picture of what this second commandment looks like in practice. Some people have tried to say, oh, David and Jonathan, they had a romantic relationship, but I, there's no hint, actually there's no evidence for that in the Bible. All the Bible is talking about when it's a phrase like that is using the same phrase as the second commandment. You're to love your neighbor as yourself. It's using very similar phrasing to that. And it's kind of like an example of what that kind of love looks like for the people around us. It's a love that is willing to give up glory for ourselves, to sacrifice for the benefit of the other. It's a friend that's willing to seek and honour God's truth in that. It's a friend that's going to be loyal even when times are difficult. It's a friend that's going to be patient for the long run, even if somebody's not listening to you. It's going to be a friend that's not going to be afraid to broach those difficult subjects or those hard subjects to talk about. It's going to be a friend whose rebuke you can trust. Somebody that you can listen to. So that Satan might not get a foothold in your life like perhaps, well, not perhaps like he did with Saul. Wouldn't it be great? I could ask you this question. Have you got a friend like that in your life? It'd be great, wouldn't it, if you had a friend like that in your life? How much time do you spend investing in godly relationships? Maybe a slightly harder question. Are you a friend like that for somebody else? Is God calling you to be a friend like that for something else, to give up something to help benefit somebody you love and care for? Just questions for you to ponder and think on. I just want to say a few uh, sort of closing remarks about that. Friendships are really, really, really important. I think uh, lots of you know I look after the small groups here in uh, Holy Trinity Church. And one of the reasons uh, why I do that is not just because they they were given to me. I applied for the job knowing that I would do it. And that's because I think relationships are absolutely crucial and vital. Good godly relationships are crucial and vital to help us as a church and as individuals be the people that God wants us to be. They speak truth into our lives. They help us grow as we see in this story here. They're people that we can depend on and trust through the ups and downs of life. They're people in small groups because we're focused on God and you pray and you read the Bible and stuff together. They're they're groups that are focused on God's truth and seeking God's truth as well in your lives. They just help you grow. We're really exciting. We've got um, 
Jez and Sarah are here. They've got a small a 6.30 small group that's starting up soon. If you're not in a small group or you, ha- or you want to develop and haven't got those friendships, small groups are a brilliant way to do it. Join the new uh, uh, small group that's um, starting... When is it starting? I've forgotten off the top of my head. Is it 20... Wednesday the 13th. Uh, speak to that Sarah there. Jez is around as well. Speak to her about it. Uh, Toby's not here because he was here this morning. There's another group for young professionals as well based around this service. Join a small group. Get involved. Invest in those relationships. It will help you grow. It will help you become more the person that God wants you to be. You've got to do what's necessary in our lives to keep God at the center. I want to finish with one other thing. I don't always um, do this, but I just want to jump as well. Friends that are willing to sacrifice for us. I, I, I just, when somebody does something like that for you, it just makes you feel so loved, so valued, so special, so cared for on our earthly life as well. This friend that I was talking about, his name's Andrew, if I didn't say it earlier. I remember when uh, Adder and I had some really, really bad news. Um, he dropped everything and he was in the middle of a, I didn't know this at the time, I found it later, uh, a project at, at work and he dropped everything and just came down to spend time with us because we needed it as well. Really spoke to me. And do the same for him as well. It really makes you feel so special. I hope you all know how much our friend Jesus sacrificed for you. He came down to earth to live, to speak God's truth into our lives. He's patient with us. He's loyal to us. He's there in the toughest of situations and was willing to sacrifice it all to help lift us out of anything to give up his very life for us God is calling us I hope not necessarily to lay down our lives like Jesus had to for us but God wants us to be with him and he's given up everything to be with him we're loved so much and he wants us as well to model that out in the way that we treat and we speak to those around us So let's invest in it because we can grow and become more the people that God wants us to be and gave up so much for us to become. Amen.